This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be talking with the A's Minor League Pitching Coordinator, Gil Patterson. He's been the man in charge of overseeing the development of all the A's minor league pitchers for many years. He's an incredibly valuable resource for anyone who wants to understand more about the fine art of pitching. And we recently took the opportunity to talk with him about some of the A's top young pitching prospects. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Gil. Bill, it's a pleasure. You know, I've been in the weeds a lot today, but uh, with your help, I'm going to get out of them. (laughs) Well, I know there's always a lot for you to deal with as the uh, minor league pitching coordinator for the A's. You've got a lot of pitchers in your purview, a lot of affiliates to keep staffed and keep healthy. You know, I know we haven't spoken to you in a while, but but it's always a pleasure speaking to you because I know you're very excited and enthusiastic and and passionate about the art of pitching and, and the work that you do. Can you just Talk a little bit so people understand what your role is, what a minor league pitching coordinator really has to deal with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Yeah, Bill, uh, in general, I'm really in charge to kind of follow the orders that, you know, Bob Melvin, Emo, you know, Billy, David, Finey give from the major league level about the way they want things done in the minor leagues. And it's my job to see that through. Um, and on top of that, I've got eight pitching coaches that are on the same page with us. And so I oversee our AAA team in Las Vegas, uh, where Rick Rodriguez is, our AA team in Midland with Steve Conley. Uh, our Lansing team now is High A in Midwest League, or I think it's called uh, something East. So I, yeah. all the league is- I, I think it's, I think it's the High A Central <laughs> League now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It used to need a scorecard for the players. Now you need one for the league. So we have Lansing, and then we have uh, our team in Stockton where Chris Smith is, who pitched for the A's. And then we have a team in in Arizona, uh, and then also a team in Dominican. So, you know, with the six teams, every day that there's a game, they put it on our oasis. And it's where I go in to see who pitched, how many pitches they threw, I keep track of that. I keep track of their velocities. Uh, I keep track of their performances. Uh, if one pitcher maybe didn't throw enough change-ups or didn't throw enough fastballs, I send the pitching coach and the pitcher uh, sometimes a funny text, sometimes a not-so-funny text <laughs> about making sure that their responsibilities and the way to follow direction is, is followed. And Oakland has always been great with allowing some creativity as well. But, but in a nutshell, I keep track of what every pitcher does on a daily basis and just making sure 
that they are getting the uh, education, the teaching, the leadership from our pitching coaches uh, uh, to make them better. I mean, that's our goal. Our goal, and, you know, whether it be once every two weeks when I send out an email sometimes, that's the biggest goal. Get them better, uh, regardless from the mental side, from the physical side. And uh, back in the day when I used to work for the Yankees and I brought it here, El Duque, who was a very good major league pitcher, went down to Dominican and he told the pitchers down there, when you pitch, you pitch with Cabeza, Corazon, and Cojones. And <laughs> I like that scenario, even for life. And we've kind of taken that mantra with us here. And, you know, you want guys who compete, who use their head, and, you know, just the ability to learn and get better. And uh, that's uh, a very challenging but very satisfying uh, goal in many respects because a lot of times you won't always get a text from me. Let's say you went tonight. Six innings, five hits, one run, one earn, no walks, six six strikeouts. You won't always get a text from me, nice job. But when you go an inning and two-thirds, give up five hits, five runs with two walks and no strikeouts, that's when you might get a text or a phone call. So, um, you know, those things I think go a long way with players that they know that you only have their back when they're doing well. Well, with us in this organization, we have their back always. And uh, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's got to be a discipline. um, But it's it's a fun challenge for me, and I, I really do enjoy it. Well, there's certainly a lot of things to keep tabs on, a lot of guys to keep tabs on, that's for sure. I wanted to take the opportunity to, to talk to you about a few guys who are particularly intriguing to me, guys who are in the system, and I kind of want to start at the top and maybe work down a little bit. And the first guy I wanted to talk to you about has been in the system a little while now. He's finally back with the big club uh, contributing there thankfully and that's AJ Puck you know he's been through so many injuries and surgeries and all that you know and he he started out this year looking a little shaky but now like I said he's up with the big club pitching well and contributing was it really just a matter of him just getting past the injuries getting past the surgeries and just getting back into a rhythm and getting back into a comfort zone where he could be the pitcher that hopefully we all think he can be well in general the answer to your question is yes um and the biggest obstacle that he had this year, and you mentioned it a little bit with an arm issue. And uh, on his own, quite honestly, um, as he threw one day, he dropped his arm angle lower, almost like a Randy Johnson back in the day uh, when Roy Holiday dropped his arm down. And all of a sudden, he and I probably texted every third or fourth day. Because uh, he, you're right, he was going through a rough spot and you want to make sure that, again, you're supportive, encouraging, but you'd also want to make sure that there's some toughness to that at times. And sometimes we would have to talk where some of the things I might say he might have wanted to hear, but I had to say them. But when he lowered his arm angle on his own is when things started to really jump up. Um, uh, Rick, Rick Rodriguez, myself, and Casey Upperman, one of our pitching coaches in Arizona, talked to him about his lower half a little bit, but quite honestly, it was really all his uh, kind of quest or direction with lowering his arm angle. And when that happened, it freed him up. It just, it freed him up and allowed him to throw back-to-back days, three innings, and not have any type of stiffness or soreness. And then from there, just as you mentioned, he pitched well. And then um, even has pitched well in a, in a brief time in the big leagues. And yes, I yelled at him about the fastball. You know, I'm playing. <laughs> but 
But, you know, it's still going to be a learning curve. But it's just good to see him healthy and confident and trusting again. It's big well, for us. Yeah, that's, that, that's for sure. Uh, well, another guy there at AAA Vegas who's you know, probably your top pitching prospect there is Dalton Jeffries. He's had some opportunities with the big club now. He's had some very good outings, but he's been a little inconsistent this year. We all know... Pitching in Vegas is not a walk in the park, though, so <laughs> we, we do have to take that into consideration. But can you tell me where you think Dalton Jeffries is at at this point and maybe what he needs to do to become the, the consistent pitcher that will be able to contribute at the major league level like we, like we all hope he'll be able to do at some point? I think, in general, the biggest opportunity. I think, honestly, if he pitched every fifth day, I'm not quite sure he would pitch like possibly Montas or Chris Bassett, but I think him and Cap, you know, arguably you could have said the same thing about Cap this spring. Right. Well, Gil, when's Cap going to get it? And it's like, just let him go pitch every fifth day. Now, with Dalton so far, whose spot is he going to take right now? Right. He's not going to take any of those guys' spots right right now, even as well as he was pitching. And you're right. He did have a couple bumps, but you know, as better as I do, who doesn't have a couple bumps. Sure. Um, but I am very happy. He commands the baseball, which is arguably the number one thing you need to do. He can change speeds. He's got a better breaking ball now. Him and Emo did something this spring that enhanced his breaking ball. You know, and then arguably, you throw in a Paul Blackburn in the same mix, and it's like, well, heck, if we knew Paul could have done this, maybe we should have brought him up earlier. <laughs> whose spot was he going to take? And, you know, that's a credit to what the uh, emo, you know, and, and uh, Marcus Jensen have done with the pitchers. You know, you talk about us wanting to get them better in the minor leagues. They, they're getting them better in the big leagues. And so, you know, we're, that's what our job is, is if someone down here is needed, whether it be Dalton or AJ or Paul, that our main job is to try to make sure that they're prepared to go up and help us win. Right. Yeah, of, of course. Uh, you know, and like you said, the development never ends, even at the major league level. So um, now 100%. now another guy that I wanted to ask you about at AAA, um, you know, he's a former first round draft pick for the Dodgers, Grant Holmes. You know, he's had a big arm, lots of promise. You know, this year he, you know, struggled mightily right out of the box. He's moved to the bullpen. You know, he'll have a few good outings, but again, been a little inconsistent. But you know, he's had such promise. We we all, you know, hope for such big things from Grant Holmes, and this year has, I know, really been a bit of a struggle for him. So I wanted to ask you, where do you think things are at with him? What do you think is is the cause of his his struggles at this point? Because he's he's such a raw talent and. Do you think this move to the bullpen is, is you know, maybe going to be a more permanent thing or at least a, a semi-permanent thing? Uh, or Where do you think we're at with, with the Grant Holmes project at this point? Yeah. Yeah, and and he was not very happy because David and Finey and Billy and Ed Sprague allowed me because I was the one that recommended him go to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked so hard with Ricky Rod uh, to try to get through five, six innings, and it just didn't quite play the way I was hoping. And, you know, whether it be, it doesn't matter. Dennis Eckersley, you know, you can go on and on. You can name more guys that have gone from the starter to the bullpen and succeeded. And it doesn't mean that it's got to be like that forever either. But with that said, my thought was just create a little bit more energy in his delivery, maybe close him up to create a little bit more deception. At times, it seems like for as good as the stuff was, 
and the guys sometimes hit it a little bit too hard. And I really think over the last six or seven weeks, and you could tell me exactly that exact date, but I think he has made strides and he has worked in trying to get better. He hasn't just like put his head down and say, well, screw this and screw that. I'm a starter. Mm -hmm. I think he's come to grasp at this moment and there's no guarantee that he's going to stay in the bullpen, but it's almost like Lou Trevino. Lou Trevino was a starter. Right. Look what Lou has done. So I think that was the plan is that maybe his stuff plays up a little bit, although it doesn't need to, because it's awfully good already, but he just is able to create a little bit more deception and maybe now with a two inning stint rather than five, he only has to face him one time. And arguably, he has made some progress, I would say, when you look sometimes deeper into the just the deeper numbers rather than just kind of the, well, how many hits did you give up? How many sure. of these guys did you walk? So I, I really think he has gotten better. And if he was given the opportunity to pitch out of the bullpen in the big leagues, I, I think we would see more of a plus than a negative. I don't know if that's going to be able to happen. You know, might know better than I with how many people you can bring up nowadays. But if that ever happened, I would I would encourage that. Yeah, well, that's that's good to hear. Let's hope we can we can kind of see Grant Holmes uh, develop into the kind of uh, power army, whether it's in the bullpen or not, uh, that we'd all like to see out of him. Um, I want to move down to Double A Midland and and talk about a couple of pitchers that are maybe a little less high on the radar, but I think, at least from my point of view, are kind of intriguing nonetheless. Um, and that those would be uh, right-hander Brady Feigl and left-hander Jared Koenig. They've kind of been the staples of the Midland bull, uh, the Midland starting rotation this year um again feigl's a right-hander you drafted him a few years ago in the fifth round uh jared koenig interesting he was signed out of the indie leagues and and he's really been one of the most effective pitchers in the texas league this year well the former texas league um whatever we call it now um can can you talk a little bit about those two guys right-hander brady feigl and left-hander jared koenig at midland this year well you know um, they sent me out on a scouting mission. I'm the one that scouted Jared Koenig. No, I'm tricking you. I didn't. I wish I did. <laughs> He's been great. Actually, with him, I, I sent, you know, Steve Conley is with him, and Steve Conley does a tremendous job there in Midland. Uh, if you get a chance, look what Austin Briggs has done the last five or six weeks mm-hmm. compared to what he did the first two months. But mm-hmm. with that said, the two you just named, I love them both. Koenig, arguably, it's like Jared Go watch our Cole Irvin. And whatever Cole can do a little bit better, you try to get it better that way. And arguably, Cole's changeup is plus, plus. And so that's what we tried to share with Jared a little bit. But, Bill, you hit it right on the head. He is awfully, awfully good. And, you know, just like you said, if we had a spot in AAA, boy, I'd love to have him there. Mm-hmm. And equally with Brady. Uh, I'm a huge Brady Feigl fan. Um, and he's gotten his slider better the last month. Uh, so you you just named two guys that, um, you know, if we had a two AAA spots open, I would love for those two guys to be pitching there without question. Yeah, they certainly seem to, to sort of be in the next tier of guys there that have that potential to crack through to the next level. And then I wanted to, to ask you about a couple other guys. Um, one a little more high profile, one a little less pro, uh, high profile. One is Colin Palouse, who was, I think, your ninth round draft pick a couple of years ago. He's been pitching really well at Lansing all year, shown very good control, seems to be 
rounding into better form as the season has gone on. And then another guy who was really much more low profile, uh, Jack Cushing, who I think was a 22nd round draft pick a couple years ago. And to be honest, I really didn't know much about him until this year, but he was dominant at Stockton, went to Lansing, was pretty dominant there. And now he's just moved up to Midland. He just seems to be blowing through the system this year as a 22nd round draft pick. So I'd, I'd be curious to get your impressions of both Colin Palouse and Jack Cushing. You know, if I need a, a second pitching coordinator to help me, are you available? I I, I could be tempted. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> because you have an eye. I tell you what, again, you just named two guys that have been tremendous. Colin throws firm, 92, 3, 4. I mean, three, he'll pitch at 93 and 4. Not, you know, sometimes I don't like when you say, oh, he pitches, he, he pitches at 96. It's like, no, he threw two pitches, 96. Everyone else is 93. But he'll pitch at 93 and 4. And... Sam Schultz has helped the major league team with some of the analytics. She helped me and Don Schulze a little bit with trying to get his slider better from the analytical and metric world. And Don has done a great job with him. So you are so right with Colin. What one game he had 23 hitters faced 22 first pitch strikes. He <laughs> was 22 of 23 first pitch strikes. I know that's got to make you happy. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. And then Cushing, you're right. Cushing, you talk about throwing a fastball down and away to your glove side and the importance of that. You know, Grady Fuson and Keith Lippman have always said, Gil, get guys to throw the last ball down and away. <laughs> and this guy can do it. And he's got a good feel for a slider. And the changeup, you might say, if he, you know, what one thing was he working on, kind of like Colin with his changeup and slider as well. But Cushing's changeup we're working on, but he can command his fastball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really been impressive to see see what he could do. Like I said, I, I, I barely even knew his name till this year, and he's really been one of the best pitchers in the system so far in, really in 2021. Um, I wanted to wrap up by asking you just a couple of, of general questions. I touched on it earlier about pitching in Vegas. You know, that is such a tough pitcher's park. And the old PCL, you know, it's just full of these parks that are just, uh, you know, kind of a nightmare for pitchers. So I wanted to know, how how difficult is it to develop pitchers in an environment like that and also how difficult is it to properly assess their development when they're pitching in these sort of extreme environments well that's a great point and when i was in oakland for the draft uh i spoke with david forrest and this he knew i was going to reno and to, to see to see vegas uh, it was when I was finally allowed, you know, there was a certain part of time where you couldn't even go to Vegas. Right. But anyway, long story short, uh, David says, kind of, what are you going to say? And I'm going to tell these guys to pitch with their head, heart, and cabeza, corazón, and cojones because they're not pitching that way. It's like they're afraid of contact. Right. And so David said to me, he says, you know, tell them that we are smarter here in Oakland. We just don't look at how many home runs they give up. We look at their exit velo. We look at their walks. And, right. you know, if a guy gives up a home run on an 88-mile-an-hour exit velo, he knows it's not going to be out in any other ballpark in the country. Right. So that was part of my message to them. I sat them all down, and I said, you guys tell me. You guys are the pitching coach, all right? And I'm pitching in Vegas. Would you rather have me go walk, 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 double to give up three runs <laughs> or go, oh, oh, fastball homer, oh, oh, fastball homer, oh, oh, breaking ball homer? Who do you want to be pitching? Right. They said – that the second guy, I said, well, good. You guys take your own advice and pitch that way. And we, we all kind of laughed. But, you know, and one of them, actually, it was Lazardo. I said, why don't you fill up the strike zone? He says, because if I have to give up a hit, I, I don't want to, I want, I don't, I don't want to force contact anymore. Right. And so he at least had enough 
wherewithal to not be afraid to speak up. And everyone's shaking their head, and it's like, okay, are we going to be the hunters or the hunted? You know. <laughs> and so if I'm going to be the hunter, you're right. I, I'm, I'm going to give up some home runs that normally now, – now, arguably, though, go look at the pitches you're making and the counts. If you're giving up hits on 1-0, and 2-0, 2-1, 3-1, shame on you. If it's 0-0-0-1-0-2-1-2, I can help you then. The other way, it's tough to help because you're kind of showing me that you're afraid to be the hunter. I, I don't want guys who are timid. That's, you know, and then if, if right. you are timid, then let's sit down and figure out what to do. Let's come up with a plan. But after that, um, well, it's funny because I think they won a few games when I was there. And they said, Gil, you got to stay there. <laughs> no, but but, but I, I think to your point, I think they got to get it through their head that they are not always being evaluated on the things that just because they pitch, I pitched four innings. I gave up four Oh one count homers on exit velo of 88. And, and I didn't walk a guy and struck out four. I, I'm not real happy in a sense that I gave up four runs and four innings, but I, if, if I know Oakland is, I can live with that a little bit better. And you're right. Arguably, maybe I'll try to make a little bit better pitches depend, you know, then right. you can de- then you can dive deeper into it. But I think that's the biggest thing. Right. Don't let anything scare you. Yeah, no, that's interesting. It is such a such a you know difficult thing to try to, to try to succeed in that environment when pitchers are just you know used to. I, I don't want to give up runs. It cannot be mm-hmm. good to give up a run, you know. <laughs> so, right. Right. Um, finally, I just wanted to ask you. You know, you got I don't know. I guess a little less than a month left in the minor league season here. As you kind of head into the final lap, you know, what do you say to these guys? What's your approach? What are you trying to apart? To some of these guys that they just got a few more starts under under their belts uh, left in the season, what's your message at this stage of the game? I, I I think I've told you before we have something that we call green sheets, and it's got nothing to do with ERA. It's got everything to do with first pitch strikes, one one conversions, walks per nine. We do have strikeouts per nine on there, strike percentage, swing and miss percentage with each pitch type, usage. Uh, OPS against righties and lefties and ground ball fly ball rate. So there are some things kind of hidden behind the scenes that we look at. Mm-hmm. And our biggest goal is for them, and this comes out monthly, and our biggest goal, especially at the sa- if you're at the same level, sometimes if you move up a level, it's tough to even get better. But the main goal is for them from month to month, week to week, game to game, to get a little bit better. Just right. am I better now than I was, you know, and arguably sometimes – you can't look at it from your game before because I could go no walks today and walk two the next time. Sure. Like, oh, am I not better? No, I'm not going to walk zero every game. But they would, you would like to see some type of progression of getting better, especially with command and filling up the strike zone. Sometimes it's getting swing and miss is a little difficult, and that's why we have Sam Schultz and we also have Casey Upperman kind of on board that help us do a little bit with that. Although the pitching coaches do an excellent job with that as well, but it's always good to have, you know, more hands in the pot to help stir it. And then I'll make the final decision on the way we're going to go. But um, that's what I think, Bill, is what I, I really want them just and also run through the finish line. Um, in the past, our season used to end a month or six weeks before the major league season. You know, and sometimes it's, oh, I'm tired. It's like, you better not be tired. Okay, you better not be tired because in a real season, you got six weeks left. So I think those things of encouragement and support and direction, I think, help. And then along with that, um, them, um, for these guys to go what they went through last year and to compete this year, uh, I, I, it just speaks volumes 
for most of them, if not all of them, and not only from our organization, but for everyone. I, I couldn't imagine not playing baseball or pitching for a year. I mean, these guys reported to me every day uh, in May and June and July and August and September of what they were doing. And if they didn't throw aside, you know, I would get on them. And it was, it was a beatdown. But most of them did it. And, and I think, uh, who knows, maybe that's why some guys are better this year is because of what they did last year in that, in that COVID year. But, uh, but that's how we try to end, end the season, just with that, with that focus and run through the finish line. Right. Well, I'm sure everyone's glad to be back in action for real this year. And uh, they're certainly fortunate to have you on their side, helping uh, guide them along the way uh, through the ups and downs of the season. And uh, we're always glad to have the chance to talk with you and get your insights on pitching. Thank you so much again for taking the time to talk to us today, Gil. My pleasure. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.